We want when people come here, this to be an overwhelming sense of home. Because biblical Christianity at its core is relational. If you are going to lead, you have to first be, you have to first be led. Hey, welcome to Lead Talks with the Craigs. Craig Mosgrove. Chad Craig. Yeah, and we're so excited to be back with you for Catch This. Man, we're moving through them. That's right. Episode 8, which is our final episode for this season. Season 1. Season 1, Lead Talks has been all about kingdom leadership. And uh, and the first what? First what? And the first... <laughs> in order to lead, you must first. Oh, okay, I got you. He's using that was a curveball. Yeah, I was, I was tagging. In order on. to lead, you must first be led. You must first be led. So that's what Lead Talks is all about. He caught me off guard. I there. did. I threw that one out there. But nonetheless, it's been awesome to start the conversation. And it is a conversation. That's the key, right? This is not a monologue. The desire is not just us conversating, but us conversating with you. And so the goal is that as we continue to move forward, we have no intention or no expiration date on what we think is the end of Lead Talks. We actually just started it, but we want to go season after season and just share as the Lord leads us. And our hope and goal is that these are not just content that can be helpful for you, but hopefully it spurs kind of a creative imagination to think about leadership and you know, it's always been said, Pastor Chad, when leaders get better, everybody gets better, right? That's right. So, no doubt. And yeah. if you feel like you're Elijah, yeah. we want this place to say, no, you're not. There's others talking about it, thinking about it, working through it. That's right. That's right. And so, you know, some of the distinctiveness, Pastor Chad, about us in terms of, of leaders, spiritual leaders, you know, there's spiritual leaders across the body of Christ, across the world. All over. Right. I would say in distinctiveness is that we come from uh, kind of a philosophy, a theology of holistic discipling ministry. Certainly. Uh, Spirit-filled ministry. It's a distinctiveness. Without our, a doubt. In our day and age. Especially and, in our area. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the area we live. Very, very. Bible Belt. Very Bible Belt, but also, you know, very Southern Baptist. Nothing wrong. We love our brothers and sisters in Southern Baptist, but very Southern Baptist dominated. And so very little expression and experience with spirit-filled living. And so... Spirit-filled leadership looks different than other kinds of leadership. True. And so if you haven't had the opportunity and you're watching today for the first time, man, go back and watch episodes one through seven. Again, it's all about kingdom leadership. But today— You hit that subscribe, then they'll push them to you. They the will one, push them The ones to you. you've not seen That's exactly listened to right. yet. This is our eighth episode, and we're just titling this one, The Test— that each leader must take. Oh boy. Yeah, the tests that leaders take, right? And um, there's many kind of tests, obviously, Pastor Chad, that come to every leader. Now, when we're talking about leaders in the body of Christ, those tests can come as either a part of the initial prep for ministry. So we're talking about, I receive a call of God post-conversion. Yeah. And now these tests come as initial prep. But that's not the only test there are. Then there's tests once I've become a leader that meet me anytime I take a new level of leadership or attend or attempt to ascend. And what I mean ascend here is not ascend the, the corporate ladder. I'm right. talking about ascending in kingdom leadership. Toward um, your high calling. Yes, absolutely. More to what God has for you. Absolutely. So anyone, and those that are listening today, ourselves included, who wants to serve God is going to go through these tests. So I want to read this text, just a little short text. But it's kind of the basis of our conversation. It's 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10. And the Apostle Paul, again, writing to the younger aide. Now, when we say younger aide, Timothy, he's probably 37, 38 years of age, right? But still, Paul's telling him uh, to not allow anyone to despise his youthfulness. And so I'm 37. 
How old are you? 42. 42. So we're still in our youthfulness, according Come to on. the Apostle Paul and Timothy. So, um, But he said, don't let anybody despise your youthfulness, right? But set an example. And when he's writing it to Timothy, he gets to this powerful passage. We often know it, 1 Timothy chapter 3. But 1 Timothy 3 and 10 says, they, speaking of leaders, potential leaders, must first be tested. And that word tested is tried, investigated, proven. What does your, your translation say? What verse we Verse in? 10 of chapter 3. First be tested. First be tested. Yeah, yeah, first be tested. So then... Then what's it say? Let them serve as, and here, deacons. Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about testing, all right, what does it mean when we say that God tests a ministry? I have a couple responses to that. I'm going to defer to you, hit you first. What does it mean when we say God wants to test a ministry or test a ministry leader? Yeah, well, I think it ties into some we've hit before is that God thinks long term. Mm -hmm. See, if God wasn't thinking long term, then he wouldn't care to prepare. Right. You see what I'm saying? If, If he's just thinking about the moment, he wouldn't care about preparation. He would just care about getting something done in the moment with no regards to the future. But because God's thinking long term, he's thinking multi-generational, he's thinking multiplication, kingdom impact, for that to happen, he knows preparation's necessary. Right. You know, to get that type of longevity, to get that type of kingdom acceleration and multiplication, there's going to have to be God preparing and accomplishing some things that provides the foundation or the needed transformation for that future fruitfulness to be possible. Yeah. So I think when it comes to the test, it's because God knows the ultimate high calling. Mm -hmm. He knows the ultimate uh, high level of fruitfulness that's available or possible that we were created for in Christ Jesus. Right, and when you say high calling, just so the listener doesn't dismiss themselves, everybody, not even leaders. Every believer has it, but we don't start off there. Right. So an example would be Paul said he first was a teacher, a preacher, and a teacher to the Gentiles. Then when he was faithful in using his giftedness in that context and in that expression, Mm -hmm. then in Acts 13, as they ministered to the Lord, he was in the church as a teacher and preacher at that point. Uh, The Holy Spirit spoke, it set apart Paul and Barnabas for the work, Mm -hmm. the specific work that I've called them to, and then having prayed and fasted, they laid hands, they sent them out to the apostleship. Mm -hmm. So Paul's high calling was that of an apostle, but he didn't start there. So even in what we just looked at, quoted there, ties into what we're saying here, is that that means that God has an end in mind from the beginning, but he knows the qualities needed to be able to carry the future fruitfulness he's desired and designed us for in Christ Jesus through the new birth. So he's got to have tests in preparing for that. And that's why I think, Pastor Craig, I know for, for me as a leader, and I, I, you know, I think for you as well, I mean, we talk often and, and as, as brothers and, and co-ministers together, that sometimes the, the left hook, I used that, that phrase before in a previous episode, or the, the uniqueness of a season, the mm-hmm. difficulty of a season, is that it seems like what God's doing or preparing doesn't line up with what we're needing or facing now. Yeah, of course. And I think this ties in to that sometimes is the point of what we're talking to is God's not just thinking about our now Mm -hmm. and our season now. He's also thinking about the future seasons and the future fruitfulness then. 
And so God, you know, can be a both and God. He can be using us now uh, to the level of fruitfulness in the sphere we're in, but he's also preparing us for further in the future. Yeah. And so I think that, I think... Um, Let me give one and I'll come back to yeah, yours. Yeah, go ahead. So one I had, I just written down three. One I had is God uses any means. Why? why like, what does it mean when we say that God tests ministry? Number one, God uses any means which he himself knows will determine the presence, quality, or genuineness of his call on someone's life. Meaning, God through test ex- assesses and examines the true inner motives, right? Mm-hmm. The true attitudes of our lives, of those he calls to show whether they're pure or not. Yeah, that's what I, the last thing I had was yeah. purify, yeah. strengthen, and settle. Yeah. Um, you know, those impurities are those things that God needs to purify out. They shake our settledness. Yes. Right. Yeah. So that's the, the enemy uses those areas where we're not settled to try to create more sense of fear, insecurity, or that I miss God. Does God really want to use me in this way? And these tests purify those things out. Yep. That makes the it harder for the voice of the enemy to come and exploit. Right. That and then the tests then strengthen us in God and in that intimate knowing, yep, which then leads to this settling. Yes. We settle in to, listen, I've not sent myself. I didn't arrange and create this. If it were not for the grace of God, I sure wouldn't be doing this. Correct. Something else. Uh, he's kept me. He's yep. not left me. He's working right. in me and through me, and he knows what he has in the future. So. Right, yeah. The the other one I had, Pastor Chad, is is God puts those he calls, right, so the seed of calling, so to speak, into difficult situations which are intended by God to refine us spiritually. And so when I use this word test, I looked it up, uh, test the leader, because, you know, New Testament's written in Greek, and it has a, a real close cognate in Latin, and the Latin phrase, I never knew this, is testu, T-E-S-T-U, and it means to be put uh, inside of an earthen pot with a lid on top. Mm. And I thought, man, we are this jar of clay, right? And the test that God puts us through, it refines us spiritually. So basically, Pastor Chad, if 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 we're following Jesus in our calling, he puts us through these fiery furnaces, these fiery trials, and the enemy would like to pervert our response in those moments and us start rebuking the enemy when in reality it's not the enemy that's taking us through the fiery furnace. It's the Lord. And the difference between a test and temptation is that Satan, when he's trying to tempt us, he's trying to work badness, evil into us. When God's trying to test us, he's trying to work self-will out of us. And so there's a, a distinct difference in that. But sometimes if believers aren't strong or mature enough, then we can start rebuking the devil when God himself is actually attempting to try to refine me. And so listen, mm-hmm. if God knows I have character defects, which are going to later affect my life assignment, well, it would be very unkind of him to allow me to continue to progress without him burning it out now. Certainly. Right? That would be ungracious of him. So, Correct. So I'm a sports guy. You're a sports guy. I ran track. I ran hurdles in, in high school. Well, I don't think I knew that. Hurdles. Yeah. So when I wow. ran hurdles, I loved running hurdles. This short guy didn't run no yeah. hurdles, I'll tell you that. But I tell you, if if you're if, if I'm running past the chat a hurdle right now and I'm jumping three foot hurdles, but God knows next year I have a seven foot hurdle in my future. Oh man. It would be unkind for him to not start building my my Achilles heel. 
my calves to be able to hit that. He doesn't want me to fail. Right. No way. And so he's going to give me a four footer this fall. He's going to give me a five footer next January. Yeah. And so he's going to use these tests ultimately because he wants nothing more than for me to be faithful and succeed. Yes. And I, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking of one of the imageries that scripture uses of those that, that in a sense burn out or become disqualified or false through, through character or a wrong teaching or whatever is scripture uses the, the imagery of shooting stars. Yes. Right. And so it burns bright and fast and looks exciting, but it can't be a constant guidance, a constant pillar direction for others. And, and God what lost traveler has ever used a shooting star to navigate. Right. So yeah. lost people are not going to find navigation mm-hmm. under leaders who are inconsistent. Correct. Right. And so it is the mercy of God. Um, it is, you know, having brothers or sisters or, or contexts or resources like this to remind us of that our God is a refining fire, you know, and he, he is seeking to prepare us for all that he has for us. Right. Not just what we're in right now. So, yeah. Uh, for you is, you know, what um, else you know, what nuance have you spoke to all that when it comes to refining and yeah, and, yeah. and us I think spiritually? I, have, I think a, I think I have today in terms of some of the nuance. Before I wanted Pastor Chad to kind of get in, and today we're going to kind of list these tests, right? We're yep. going to explain these tests. I wanted to talk for a few moments of just some biblical examples of, of specific tests. So one I hit, and you, you actually hit in our church last week, but Hebrews twelve twenty nine for our God is a consuming fire. Yeah. Well, as a consuming fire, God tries to tries the attitudes and the motives of each person that he uses. And that's not, listen, it's not simply to expose weaknesses, but to cause that person to turn to the Lord for help, right? And so God proves his vessels of leadership. He does. He has to prove those vessels of leadership. And so the one of the ways he does that is he gives us through trials a sense of awareness of our inner weakness so that that might be healed, right? So we often talk about this in transformation, that God doesn't expose anything that he doesn't want healed. Right. But even in leadership, if there are clear, you know, our our greatest unguarded strengths become our greatest weaknesses. Yes. And so sometimes even if we have this great strength in our life that has been rooted in our identity or rooted in our strength, and that has never been settled or established in Christ and his strength, God through The principle of the cross restriction. yes. Yes. We're not in control of that strength anymore. Yeah. It's submitted to him. Yeah. So that's a biblical example. Another biblical example I thought is God would test a leader like we talked about and purify him. God's only going to use pure leaders, right? And so who's, At least long term. Yes. Yeah. So who's, whose motive for ministry is the glory of God, the salvation of souls, right? So it's through trials and trials and tough circumstances. God removes those kind of impure attitudes of bitterness or selfishness or covetousness, right? And replaces them with motives of love. Mm-hmm. Like you think about why did the father get involved in everything Jesus did? It's because everything he did was motivated by love. Right? Yeah. There's no, I mean, it's obedience, but it's obedience that's rooted in love. And love. He, yeah, and he's representing the father. Yeah. Love for the father, love for humanity. Meaning if we want God to get involved in what we're doing, our motives have to be out of love. Right? Yes. Yeah. So that, you know, that's the, the dual aspect of, of prayer there there's the praying the known will of god yeah but in order to have prayers answered that's not related to the absolute clear known will of god for your life 
it has to be prayed in Jesus' name. Yeah. Which means it cannot just be you're not you can't just ask for it for your glory yeah. for your name. It's right. got to be for His benefit, His glory for the body of Christ. So, right. Uh, so yeah, what you're saying. One thing um, that when you just mentioned it a moment yeah. ago, I was when you talk about weaknesses. Yeah. I was reminded of Hebrews 11. You know that we we call that the great hall of fame of faith. But in there's the phrase that through this great faith, yeah. relational trust in, in, in God and Jesus, uh, weaknesses were made strong. Yeah. Well, that's what we're talking about, brother, right. ain't it? Yes, absolutely. Of learning to relate and trust yeah. that in this refiner's fire, in this clay pot with the lid on it, you keep bumping up against. Yes. That he is through your trust as you look to him and don't run or push back, he's causing weaknesses to be made strong. Correct. Right? But he's making that happen. It's not us transforming or making it. Correct. And we've heard these Christian cliches for years, like a faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that can't be trusted, right? You've heard that from preachers. What about the old one of, like, uh, I think it was Tommy Tenney, right? A man without a limp can't be trusted. Yeah, exactly. Don't ever follow a leader that doesn't have a limp, right? Speaking of Jacob and him wrestling with the angel of God, really probably Christ himself is kind of what we would call a Christophany of Scripture. He was the first UFC Yeah, the first UFC. But but producing faithful men and women of God is the primary purpose of God's testing, right? Because he wants to birth ministry through people. And so in order for those people to believe and trust in the living God during problems and difficulties and obstacles, it's through those that God raises up men and women who develop a true faithfulness to God and a true faithfulness to his word, right? Um, but another reason I thought, Pastor Chad, is that God tests leaders to sort out those who are truly called by Him from those who are truly not called by Him. Yeah. Right? So only those that are anointed and called by God can kind of survive the pressures of ministry. So those who don't feel the true call of God of the Spirit, they drop out of the preparation process. Right? So if God knows that, well, then He's going to turn up the fire in preparation yeah. in testing. Right? And... Um, God's people can only follow shepherds who have that divinely appointed task. Meaning, if they're going to, if it's not going to cause collateral damage to the Correct. sheep and the people around them. Correct. Right? So, uh, I was meeting today, Pastor Chad, with a, a person, and um, I, I told him, you know, I don't know this right, you know, statistically, but I was thinking through my graduating class, and I've I've only been out of college fifteen years. I graduated okay. in 07, so right. sixteen years. But I was just thinking through my class, Bachelor of Arts and Pastoral Ministry, I would say less than 20% of the guys that graduated with me mm. are even in vocational ministry year, year 16. Wow. And maybe, I'm, maybe, I'm, uh, maybe I could be, I know it's not more than 50 Right. when I look and think through my classmates. And so does that mean that a lot of them weren't called? Well, sure, that's some of them, right? right? But a lot of that is that, man, they, they were not faithful to go through these tests of preparation, right? And with God, you can't fail test and get promoted to the next grade. No, no. If you want to move forward, you're going to have to retake the test because um, that is the part of, of, of God's design and his sovereignty for his children. Right. Um, you know, we use this in, in growth phases, yeah. divine design. We talk about it a lot in helping people understand following Jesus, what it's going to look like. But Hebrews, you know, 6, 1 and 2, the six elementary teachings of Christ, and says, let us go on to maturity. Yep. 
right? Saying God's will for all his children is to go on towards maturity. Right. In this context, we're talking about it would be maturity in your kingdom purpose. Correct. Right, in, in yep. your calling and your leadership in the kingdom. But then verse 3 says this crazy, crazy thing. It seems crazy. If God perhaps permits. Yeah, yeah. If God permitting, right. We'll and it's so. like, writer Hebrews, what are you talking about? You just said it's God's will that we would mature. Why would he not permit it? Well, he doesn't permit it if you don't pass the test needed yeah. in order to move on. Yeah. Right? As a disciple or a learner, you can't grow to the next place in following Jesus if we're not willing to learn the lesson he's wanting to teach us now. And this goes back to having to lean out on our own understanding and what we've talked about before submission and brokenness before God is I don't get to create the test and tell the teacher, this is the test I'm ready to take and want to take. Yeah. He gets to determine that. Yep. And that is of course the frustrating part to our flesh and our humanity is that we cannot control and dictate uh, the test and what test he is the refiner's fire and the sanctifier. That's not my job description for myself or others. And my flesh don't like that, brother. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I'm going to ask you a quick question. Yeah. Before I do, I, I thought it would be helpful for our listeners, watchers, to go through a little bit of a timeline, okay, of how do we get to the test of ministry. So I just wanted to start from the get-go. Salvation. So it starts with somebody getting born again, right? Praise God. A new creation in Christ, right? That's what where a miracle. It starts, yeah, starts for everybody. Then the second part of that, and there's a lot of nuance here, a lot of complexity, but the second would be the call. So meaning at some point, somebody receives the call of God. It starts a seed in their heart. The Spirit of the Lord, by His Spirit, constrains someone's heart. We don't know specifically whether that's vocational in a certain way or how our fivefold gifting plays out, but we know, and then it's affirmed within kind of the crucible of whatever local body we're a part of. But are you using call here? We're talking about leadership yes. to the body of Christ. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, the call. Then after that call to leadership, service, is the preparation immediately. Now, it's not like it's cut dry where preparation doesn't happen a bit before the call. We, I mean, we can't clearly define that. You know, those lines are a little, they're not that distinct and clear. But Like God's not going to waste yeah. previous life experiences if we've learned common lessons of truth and knowledge, right? Correct. Yeah, Correct. Even, even before, before we received the call. Correct. Yep. Yeah. So then there's that preparation. After the preparation, there's maturity. So that's what you talked about. The God wants, obviously, leaders in the body of Christ to be mature. He doesn't want immature leaders, right? Uh, that doesn't mean we have to reach our highest, highest calling before we start exerting Christ-like influence, but there should be maturity. There should be growth, right? Then out of that maturity comes a, and I've always used this. You may use a different language. Lots may use different language. I call it a seed of ministry mm -hmm. where that seed is planted. The Pastor Chad, I've all, you've heard me say this once. You've heard me say it a million times. I always see it like a diamond. So when I'm mentoring people... I see it like this. You get a seed of calling, and then God takes you through a breadth of ministerial experience. We call this the birth of the ministry. And then he's ultimately trying to bring that diamond back together to get to kind of that, not seed, but seat of specialization, meaning the, sp the specific high calling, regardless of context, where you're at, where you're at on this, this mm -hmm. earth, this planet. This is what God specifically called you to do. But in order for you to get the, from the seed of calling to the seat of specialization, you got to go through a lot. And in that lot, I have the test of ministry, the specific test you go through to lead us ultimately to that fulfillment of ministry. So I would imagine, Pastor Chad, people are watching today, listening to this podcast, who are all over that timeline. 
There's, oh, yeah. There are some that are just receiving a call to leadership. There are others that are wrestling with the call to leadership. There are others who have been in some ministry leadership role and through challenges, difficulties, their own sin, other people's sin against them, unhealthy leadership styles, abuse, I mean, the list goes on. They've mm-hmm. rescinded or pulled back from ministry leadership for a season. Mm-hmm. There are others that that are in this middle part of this diamond where they're getting the breadth of ministry experience, and it's like they're serving the 65-plus in their church, and then they're serving kids' ministry the next week, and then they're intern next week, and they're like, what am I specific- specifically gifted at? There's right. this breadth. Then there's people that are probably listening that are getting closer to that seat, that place that this is God specifically called me. So what I wanted to do, Pastor Chad, is Mm -hmm. just you and I back and forth, and let's just work through specifically some of those tests. Okay. Okay? Before we hit each of those tests, I thought it would be helpful for you just to divulge a little bit, talk a little bit about like, how did you begin to be open to the idea that God actually gives people tests? Because we've been in church planning together for the last seven years. Yeah. And if we've had this conversation once, it's been a hundred times. People we serve that are leaders for us. Yeah. And I mean that they serve and lead in the congregation we we lead and serve in. We have said on numerous repeated occasions, you can't take tests for people, right? You can't take them. But like, mm-hmm. was it frustrations you went through that opened you up to the idea that God gives all leaders tests? Was it by your own experience? Did a leader come to you and say, Chad, expect dot, dot, dot. Walk walk us through how you began to even be open yeah. to the fact that tests are a Yeah, that's a great question, and I think a needed um, thing to work through. I know a very few people, Pastor Craig, that from the beginning, when they sense some stirring of call yeah. to leadership to or in the body of Christ, that the Father or the the Lord Jesus or Holy Spirit gives them absolute the end goal, the specific vision or revelation of that high calling. Right. So that bears witness to what you just said of this seedbed. And then God then wants to use the breath of different ministry experiences yep. Yep. to bring clarity. I have found personally and in pastoring and in relationally and listening that oftentimes a lot of us like to think we hear God more than we actually do, mm-hmm. like that we're more super spiritual than we actually are, meaning God normally needs to use things that are right before us in the natural and practical to get our attention to teach us or to bring clarity and understanding. Mm. Okay. So that has borne witness a lot in my own life. So with me, you know, I, when I surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus and, and God stirred again, uh, his call upon my life, man, I, I sold everything that I had, got a little bit of money and, uh, threw everything in my Honda CRV and, and moved down to South Georgia to a small ministry, just willing to serve and be a part of a ministry that, you know, was open to the working of God's spirit. That was the new, you know, yeah. aspect for me and my Christendom experience and the power of God. And, and uh, just 
anything that was asked to do to be able to do it and be around ministry. Then when Michelle and I got married, God opened the doors and his faithfulness to us to come on a large church in, in my hometown. And, and that pastor was one that when there was a need, he just looked for a person and put them in there. Yeah. And God used that. And, you know, early on, my experience with youth ministry and, and teaching in the Christian school began to bring clarity. Okay, I wasn't graced, wasn't burdened by the anointing to long-term minister to youth. Mm -hmm. But I did have this aspect and stirring that I enjoyed teaching. Yeah. And so God began, used that experience to, you know, begin to guide and, and shape down to discern more of where the grace and the anointing was, but then also use the setting and people around to confirm it. Yes. Okay. That's the key. Yeah. So, so that was sort of with me. Then when it comes to then like church planning, one of the things that became very clear is, you know, statistically, Pastor Craig, they say that, that around 75 to 80% of those who are with you the first two years in church planning will not be there past year two. Yeah. That there's so many changes and so many things that happen. Very transient. Very transient. Okay, but then once we got past that, and you get a little a little more established, you know, there's longevity, a little more sense. I still begin to see people come in, and they show passion, they show excitement, they show a, a newness and a, and a vibrancy of wanting to be a part. But then, as the seasons progress, I'd see them start facing similar things that other people faced. And, and you know me, I'm one of those that through just the way I'm wired and uh, observing, I begin to recognize patterns. And I begin to see people, in a sense, like what we're talking about, face the same test. Mm. Well, then with the backstory, too, of God, what he took me through personally with the divine design for discipleship, and then God, seeing God use that to serve the body of Christ and serve thousands of people, that he has a pattern when it comes to us growing in Christ-likeness. Yep. Okay. That then all began to sort of give weightiness and, and a discovery that when it comes to these tests, there is tests that everybody that's called to lead in the body is going to be effective minister. Right. Like what Paul called a soldier to yeah. Timothy, that there's going to be these tests. Yeah. And so that was just the big thing. And then that's why, Pastor Craig, you've, you've observed me now for many years in, in the context together. This is why I don't cheerlead people the way some people cheerlead people because I understand that if I have to be your cheerleader and you're saying you're called to lead in the body, you're not going to pass some of the tests I know God's going to lead you to. Yeah. I want to help equip and serve you that God, through the mystery of the gospel, has put a cheerleader on the inside mm -hmm. of you. Yes, the God man, the Spirit of God. Spirit Christ of God. And that grace and that call comes without repentance. Right. And if God's apprehended you, apprehended you, then listen, you're not going to be able to shake it. Right. And when you want to get out of some trials and tests, but you can't shake it, that is giving, obviously, witness to the fact of being called. Yep. So that's some of what I've seen and just observing that led me sort of to this clarity that um, seeing people transition out of ministry teams and people who start serving and they're they're on fire to serve. And then once the newness wears off, yep. they're no longer serving. Yeah. And I'm thinking, well, the same thing's going to happen if you're a leader. Yeah. 
the newness of me and you getting in the pulpit every Sunday, there's no longer a newness no, with, with this year we're in. So that's some of, of the things that, cool. uh, you know, began to... Led you to have yeah. an awareness. So let's kick in now to the actual test. Yeah. All right. So let's go back you and wanted forth. To, what go you ahead. got? Yeah. So I'm going to start with, and let's just go, We I'm, I'm going to kind of hit one. And, and let me just say to our listeners too, some of these are going to have overlap. Yeah. So they're going to have similarities. We're not saying this. We're not giving an exhaustive list. No, this, this is not right. an exhaustive list, but... But there are quite a few. So or not sequential either. We're, no. we're just going to hit several. Yeah. So first one I just had, I call it the time test. Okay. And I'm going to give a definition of yeah, that. Yeah, please. So in the time test, by all outward appearances, God does not seem to be fulfilling the word he gave a leader in the past. Okay? Meaning the time test is trying a leader's patience, forcing them to trust God to fulfill their call in ministry in his own time and his own way. Mm-hmm. Meaning there are times... In this time test where God has spoken to you, and now in this, at least by outward appearance, God does not seem to be fulfilling the word that he gave you in the past. So that's the definition. Now, what is the purpose? Purpose of the time test, multifold. Number one, to provide an opportunity to grow in faith, okay? which is true probably for all these tests. Number two. So is this tying into like a... In order to experience and walk in the promise, it's faith and patience. Correct. So the yes, time's Hebrews. coming in here. Correct. Okay. So faith I'm and patience. You. So any yeah. Christianity that ultimately divorces faith from patience is an incomplete Christianity, mm-hmm. right? It's a lie. Yeah. It sounds good. It'll preach well, but it's it's not true. Um, the, the other purpose of that test is to give God an opportunity to prove himself to be a miracle-working God to everyone he's called to be in service in his kingdom. Is that even when it looks like too much time has passed. Mm. God can perform a miracle. God can do something instantly. And and I I, I tried to, Pastor Chad, put a biblical illustration for each of these tests. So yeah. my, my time test is Abraham. I think of several, yeah. Yeah, but okay. Genesis 12 through 18, call of Abraham. God comes to him, says, Abram, leave your, your belongings, your people. Genesis 12, yeah. make you into a great nation. Changes his name. Takes two of his letters from Yahweh, adds it to Abram. So in Hebrew, it's actually Abram-ham, not Abraham. Is that Yahweh? And that all sounds good. You're the father of many nations. Until we realize it took God 25 years to make good on his promise. Yeah. So every day he's going around for 25 years. What's your name? Father of many nations. Oh, where's your kids? Where are they at, Yeah. Man? That's awkward, right? And what we call awkward God calls a time test. Yeah. Right? And yet God did what? He proved himself to Faithful. be the miracle-working God, didn't he? Yeah. And so he was the father Which, of many Yeah, because what it say that they were well past yes. the age of years. childbearing years. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that that's the time test. The second one we had here is surrender test. You want to hit the surrender test? Yeah. Is that one the first one you want to hit? Yeah. Okay. You, you're... Looking at it, it's surrender in the sense of the way. Yeah, you know how you had put on your list this, the surrender up top. I mean, is is, is it kind of overlap a little bit of time test or or you no? About, okay, there, there's all kinds of dynamics. Okay, with the surrender test, and um, you know, the God who called us is only the God that can bring it to pass. Yeah, right. So the the constant surrender is remembering that even if God has shown us where we're going, mm-hmm. 
we still have to stay surrendered to him who makes where we're going possible. Yeah. We we can never in a sense divorce ourselves or separate ourselves in pursuit of even what God says he's taken us on our own, on our own accord. And so we have to stay surrendered and to his way, mm-hmm. okay? And to his will. Oftentimes when when we think of God's will and in, in, in going to the promised land or whatever you want to call it, oftentimes we forget that God has many ways to get us there. You know, if I was going to leave where we're at right now and go to your house, there's a variety of ways to get there. Of course. The destination's the same, but the way the ways can be many. Now, when it, obviously, we're not talking about heaven. Jesus alone is the way, but we're talking about the fulfillment in him. And so God does that because any time I begin to lock on that this has to be the way God's going to do it, yeah. then I'm going to face again this surrender test. I have to surrender also wanting to control the way to experience the will of God. Yeah. So... This is the principle of the cross, but specifically in what we're calling here of the test of surrender. Yeah. Of when staying I think of surrender, surrender. Test, Pastor Chad, just to add on to what you're saying, um, and I think this might be helpful for those that are watching today. I have found, Meredith and I, I'll say I'll put us together. As it relates to the surrender test, anytime God has ignited in our heart the birth of any ministry, okay, or specific calling that God's asked us to walk in. Every transition, I I say this without pause, every transition I've ever been in in ministry, when God ignites my heart for the calling, Mm -hmm. normally what's happened for us is God will be clear about the calling, about what it is, how it should happen, but the last place or last thing he always communicates to us is the where. It's been that way from the Mm get-go. And I used to get frustrated in early years of surrender. Right. And I would think God's playing hide and go seek with me, trying mm-hmm. to conceal it. And I guess it was probably my second transition when it dawned on me finally that God always is going to have an element of the plan he has unknown because he knows me. And what he knows about me because he made me is that if he gives me the the plan I will take the plan and I'll run with you it. You can disconnect from dependency. Right. And so in that moment, he's holding a part of the plan back. Why? Because he knows I'll put my trust in the plan rather than the author of the plan. Correct. And what he's not interested in me doing is doing just the plan apart from him. Right. Right. The things he wants to do through me are only mm-hmm. things he can do. Or let me say it this way. The things he wants me to do for him are only things he can do through me. Right. And so apart it, from him, we can do nothing. Exactly. Fruit, exactly. That so that that's how surrender, that surrender test has played out in my life is that there's always an element of the unknown. Now you talked about a minute ago how very few leaders know like the true picture of what they're high calling. That's true too. But I would even back it up and scale it and say, I don't I think there's always a part of almost every step of obedience I take that is unknown. That's un yeah, that's it's unclear. Yeah, I don't know. Um you know, where it's a full, detailed, where there's still no unknowns right. on what he's asking you to do. Yeah. So, um, so that that keeps you surrendered. Yeah. Right. Keeps you. Yeah. Surrendered to his his way. Right. On how he wants 
us to experience his will. Yeah, so we hit time test, we hit surrender test. Let me go to the word test, okay? So let's define word test. Word test is when the leader experiences Pastor Chad's circumstances that seem to nullify the written word of God. They seem to nullify, right? Mm -hmm. So how can the known will of God possibly come to pass in my life? That's what the, the person's saying in this type of test. Is the leader's cry during that time. Like, how in the world can God's will come to pass? And many feel that, Pastor Chad, because they've been filled. They've caught, been called by God's Spirit. They should never experience darkness or confusion as long as they don't fall into sin. But the word test is, is no accident. In fact, God purposely... I don't know I don't know if this is going to be well accepted. It's just what I've found to be true. God purposefully allows contrary situations in a leader's life and ministry. And no leader I've ever known has been exempt from those times of trial and misunderstanding. And it's during, Pastor Chad, that word test that God's not forgotten. He's not contradicted His promise. He desires to accomplish a certain purposes that are totally not yet known to the leader. And if the leader endures with patience, let's go back to that word again, trust and patience, he or she will eventually find him or herself rejoicing in the Lord's wisdom and, and, and the planning of God seemingly using antagonistic experiences. And so, um, so that's kind of definition. What are the purposes of word test? I just got a few of them to put in my notes. For the leader to reject his or her own resources and depend only on God's strength. Number two, to extend the reach of the kingdom of heaven. And to number three, this is big, to give the leader further testimony of God's powerful power and faithfulness. So it, it, it increases that. And you say, well, what's the biblical illustration of the word test? I put Joseph. Right. So, Genesis, That's what the psalmist said about it. Yeah, same thing, right? Psalm 105, right? Yeah, so Genesis 37 through 45. No doubt. The word of the Lord tested it, proved him. Absolutely. Until. Absolutely. And if you think of Joseph's life, we don't want to hang out, camp out too long, but if you think of Genesis 50, right, when instead of Joseph choosing to get bitter at his brothers, he chalks it up to the the provision of the Lord. And he, he says, does. listen, the reason I was sent away in Egypt is because the Lord sent me ahead of you to preserve your Correct. life. He reinterpreted the most antagonistic experience of his life in the view of God, God's providence and sovereignty. The hard part for us is trying to do that before you see the end. We see Joseph's end, don't we? And, well, and once Joseph <laughs> is in a place of prominence, it's a lot easier to yeah. say, hey, what they meant for evil didn't hold me back. Yeah, it's It's when you're like, man, what they've done is still affecting me yeah. or it's affecting my family. Yeah. Absolutely. To get to that place of, but God's greater, and I'm going to trust you, even though I've not seen where you've replaced what it is that you they've stolen or yep. took from me. So, yeah. And the word, it yeah, just sits there testing, you know. And that's because the Bible says we've even suffered persecution because of the word, right? Correct. The so, word. Yeah. Hebrews six says that the reason they began to endure sufferings is came after they were illuminated. Yeah. That's what Jesus talked about in Matthew 13. It's because of the word's sake that persecution and tribulation comes. The enemy wants to to steal that seed, yeah. right? And what did the, God say through the prophet Isaiah? He said, your word is given like a seed. Yeah. So the word test is like a seed. Well, a seed ain't going to come to harvest until it first looks like it's dead. Yep. 
it looks like this word is not working. It's not coming to pass. Kernel in the ground to produce. There's got to be sons. yeah, and and for faith to be demonstrated, there's got to be contradicting evidence, mm-hmm. right? Without contradicting evidence, faith is not needed. If I have, if we have all the money that we would ever need to do all that God we believe God's called us to do, then we wouldn't need faith for it. Yeah, it's the contradicting evidence that begins to pull us into Him and say, Lord, I'm having to trust you despite. The contradicting evidence. Your word says this. The evidence says that, and it's like, uh, you know, what Scripture says. Uh, who whose side are you gonna believe? Whose yeah. report are you gonna believe? Yeah, whose report? Yeah, report so, of the Lord. Yeah, the word test. So we hit time test, surrender test, word test. Let's talk. Uh, uh, you had in your notes steadfastness test. I think that's steadfastness. What I, yeah, see, I call that the character test. It is a character that. because you know when you think about Israel. One of the reasons they drank from the river but still died in the wilderness was because they didn't make it through the character and the steadfastness test. They began to, as Paul recounted even in 1 Corinthians 10, it says they began to sit down, meaning they stopped moving. Mm. Jesus said, follow me. They began to play and just focus on the the common elements of life, eat and drink and be merry. And, uh, you know, it's sort of like the preacher talks about in Ecclesiastes, they lost connecting what's happening under the sun to him who sits above the sun in the heavens. And when you do that, what happens is, you know, when you first go into a wilderness, it might not be great, but because it's new, there's still a little excitement there. Man, I've never been this way before. Yeah. But, bro, when you start marching around that mountain time after time, Mm -hmm. and you know every crack in the surface of that mountain and rock, and you know every time when you get to this place what the dust is going to feel like in your feet, and there's no new signage out there, and there's no new lights, and there's nothing new to stimulate newness and excitement, and it's just mundane, and it's just routine. Listen, the only thing then... (laughs) that's going to pass that test is steadfastness yeah. that I am not going to be moved even though my flesh is no longer being excited or manipulated by any new stimuli outside. Yeah. I'm going to be steadfast in devoting myself to what God's called me to do. You know, what happens when, you know, the first all night prayer is exciting. It's new. Right. What you going to do when we're, you know, five years in we're still having all night prayers are you as a leader in a community right gonna follow other leaders and still be there you're Mm -hmm. gonna be what's paul say be steadfast and pray right right? you know what i'm saying so steadfastness and character goes hand in hand because you know when we talk about godliness we always talk about how jesus being jesus christ the same yesterday today and forever hebrews 13 8 is a great also definition of godliness because what that says is godliness is consistent oh yeah jesus was whether things were new or whether things were old or whether it was the same thing the same circuit the scripture says he went in a circuit if he was going around the circuit again he was steadfast Mm -hmm. he set his steadfast face like scripture said like flint Mm -hmm. and so you know paul even said you know, they were crying that sufferings awaited him. And he said, none of these things move me. Yeah. Well, what is that? Well, he has multiple passing of tests being demonstrated when he's now about to face a new test. He was being steadfast to the call of God on his life. And, you know, steadfastness, Pastor Craig, I've never seen a conference for steadfastness. Oh, no. I've never seen a conference so much, you know, of 
the the test of the mundane but faithful character. But God, I've never even seen a conference it. with developing leaders with strong godly character qualities. When you've been to the Fruit of the Spirit conference of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, it's hard to sell it. Right? It's hard to sell it. And listen, godly character can't come through someone laying hands on you. My God. That's I, one one thing you can't get in an altar. If I was ever tempted to be like Simon the Sorcerer, it would be to try to, to buy, buy, buy that gift or buy someone to pray for me if you could do that. The only way you get perseverance is God putting your you as a leader in fiery places to stand strong in Him and continue to endure. Man, that's right. one thing I, I, I definitely appreciated and, and was grateful uh, to our brother Eugene Peterson. Is when he talked about a long obedience in the same direction, in the same direction. Yeah, yeah. man, and that's so needed in our transient world, right? People flaking out left and right. So just a fidelity, just a commitment. I mean, yeah. When you think about these tests we're talking about, you talk about wanting to be a a leader in the body of Christ or a leader in the culture we live in. I mean, the the depth of lawlessness and its fruit in our land and culture now. Just being steadfast in simple things of being a father, being a husband, being a pillar in a local church. I mean, my God, the the weight mm-hmm. of just glory and value that sits on things that used to be, you know. Valuable. Well, used to be, there used to be more of it yeah, in the body of plenty. Christ. The same. Yeah. Now is like, man. It is like rubies. Yeah, it sticks out even more. It's different. It differentiated even more. You're right. Steadfastness. Right. Next one is motivation test. So motivation test is a. I call this in the heavenly examination. So God exposes to the leader what inner and outer forces influence their decision making process. So what God does, <laughs> God does here is He arranges situations to reveal a leader's true inner intentions, thoughts, values, priorities that cause him or her to act in a certain way. So, And I said, no, Pastor Craig, but listen, I'm doing this because God called me. Yeah, yeah. But that can be true, but that don't mean the motive test has happened yet, does it? Yeah. A leader, let me say it this way. I would say most leaders at the beginning don't know why they're doing what they're doing. No, and and that's the point of this test. Yeah. You know, the Scripture says that, it's the Lord that has to weigh the motives. Yeah. We in our own ability don't even know why we're Correct. doing things. Correct. There's no there, no awareness. So that's why I consider the motivation test. It's We know from an outer inspection what we think our motive for doing it is, but God knows our inner motive, right. and he has to put us through this test to give us a self-awareness. It wouldn't be cu- called subconscious yeah. if we were consistently were conscious, conscious of, of it. it. Right. So, so what is the motivation test? I put in my notes, it discloses the inner drives and purifies them into desires for the glory of God. So can, uh, can I can I tell you a hard one? Yeah, tell me. me. I, I put Balaam, the story of Balaam and Balak, Numbers 22 through 24, because I love that story. That's and a good I've, one. I've ever seen a motivation test, that's a, that's a clear motivation test. And that's a dangerous one because in the end, God's saying, look, I'm not going to keep striving with it. And he gives him over he does, to that wrong him. motive. Correct. Correct. Man. So what were you going to say on the motive? Well, a couple things, but one was triggered. Most people, I remember, I've talked to people seasoned in the Lord. I'm talking about grew up in the Lord. And and oftentimes they don't know this Old Testament story. See if you remember it. But there was a prophet, and he, and he sent to this older prophet. 
And God tells this younger prophet the word that he's to give this older prophet. And he says, but don't stay and eat with them. So the younger prophet goes and, and does it. And then the this old, is in the historical books, like the end of Second Kings. Or, it's in the, yeah. yeah, it's in the Bible. Well, yeah. I know it's in the Bible. I'm just trying to. <laughs> it's the, it's the, <laughs> I'm not going to give them all the answers. This is a test for okay. you. You're gonna have all to, right. You I get, think this is in the historical. They're going to have to search if it. If I'm thinking the same story, they're going to have to search it out. Okay. Well, the older prophet said, "Oh, the Lord just spoke to me," and he said, "No, you can stay with me and eat." Yeah. And the young prophet yeah. disobeyed yeah. and does it. When he leaves, he gets eaten by a lion. Yeah. It's a bad day. It's a real bad day. What that speaks to motive. See, I laugh at my my oldest. He's thirteen now, right? And he, and you know he well, he's fourteen. Fourteen. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's um. You speak to him. It's yeah. It's funny to me because you know he he's um he's unique. He's got unique gifts and talents compared to like me and his yeah, mom, right? Different. Than he, yeah, he, he's unique. But he'll say, "Dad, my friends, peers, people ain't influencing me," and I just smile because whether he thinks he's being influenced or not, we're all influenced. Oh my goodness! And no and one's that's in a vacuum. And and that's the point is that we're not aware of all that influencing us until God puts us in this test yeah i remember when god made this clear he said you know why you asked to be in that place mm -hmm. or to be mentored influenced by that person and he took me through something and, and he said look here's why you requested that and i granted it to you so i could show you why you wanted that but then you're not called to that mm -hmm. meaning I didn't even know what attracted me to to certain contexts or models, and God knew, but He also knew. Was so what we're talking about tests where He had for me in the Correct. future and this, so He allowed me to go there to then purify and clear, but then also cut away because where He was taking me wasn't the same. Mm -hmm. And so the motive test is is a big one. And motivation is monstrous for people that are listening and watching because if there's anything that I see in my fellow peers of pastors, and I know we're talking about all kingdom leaders, but yeah. pastors is what kills men and women the quickest in ministry. I've thought a lot about this is unmet expectations. Mm -hmm. So there's these expectations we have about ministry, and oftentimes those expectations never make it through the motivation test. Yeah. Is that again, we, we start then growing bitter because God didn't hold up his quote-unquote end of the deal. And it's not that God ever even promised yeah. what I consider to be the expectation. And I this had. goes back to what I said before. It's very hard, and I don't know why, but it seems, at least in my experience, and like what you're saying, it seems very hard that when God speaks to us, when he calls us, that he can be very clear to us of what he's all calling us to. Mm -hmm. So what so what does that mean? We know we're called. Yeah. But then the only way we have to contextualize and interpret that sense of calling is what we can see in what's went before us. Yes. Okay. But what if what's went before us is not what God's called us to? Right. Then that means what? There's going to have to be a moment where the unmet expectations or the misalignment of our expectations gets exposed. Yeah. There has to be a death to it. 
Yes. I mean, it's because it's going to be disillusionment regardless because you're, you're, it's, there's a death to that. I mean, think about it. If, if someone's young and they say, well, God's called me to be a preacher, well, who automatically are they going to look to to interpret that? Whoever's the closest preachers in their life that they look up to. Yeah. But maybe that's not what God's called you how to preach or the way to preach. Yeah. So that God has to deal with that. Yeah. Because I'm not doing all of what in the beginning I, I ever thought I would be doing. Oh, of course not. Right? No, no. Life in that sense and call is, is dynamic. What makes our call dynamic is that our call is in response to a living Lord. So he's not a dead and operative Christ right. in heaven. He's ever present. Yeah, and there's the dynamic teaching. of our ever-change, ever-changing or morphing life is because we are not the same people, right, day by day. So next one, that's motivation test. Let's go to your speech test. You had speech test. What is What is the speech test? Yeah, you know, in uh, Romans 4, when it talks about how Abraham was able to believe God, one of the keys there was obviously the presence of God helps create, experiencing the presence of God helps create relational trust in us, but then also God's Word that He's it's impossible for Him to lie, but it says God calls those things that be not as though they were. Right. And when it comes to the speech test, one of the things is is learning to allow the Holy Spirit, who alone can tame the tongue, mm-hmm. to grow in His containment of our tongue, speaking contrary to what God has said mm-hmm. in our life, even though we're frustrated, yeah. even though we're discouraged, even though there's contradicting evidence, and holding fast to mm-hmm. our confession yeah. that's based not on our hope or our wants or our own ambitions, but yeah. what God has clearly told us. Yeah. So when God has clearly spoken to us, our speech has to stay aligned yeah. with what God has said. Yeah. Okay? So the difference pres- between presumption and assumption is we're talking about God's clear communication to us. Yeah. But I'm not going to be able to experience what God has clearly communicated to me if I won't allow align my speech with what he said. Mm-hmm. So you even gave the example earlier of, of Abram's name being changed to Abraham, well, he's having to align his very identity, his mm-hmm. cultural, you know, identity, with how God sees him, even though his current situation is not aligning with what God sees, how He sees him, or called promised. him to him, yeah. or what God's promise. So there is the the speech test in that sense. Yeah. You know, Paul said that the the Word of faith is not far from us. It's near. It's what? In our mouth and in our heart. Mm. That God in the new covenant has chosen a methodology of faith. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. What that means is, is God is pleased to do a lot in our life. And and it, and God's not pleased when he can't do all that he wants to do in our life. But if we won't hold fast our confession, if we won't hold fast what it is he's given to us, then we've not passed the speech test yet. No. And so we see, you know, this in Abraham, we we see this in um, you know examples in Scripture. Where our words create worlds, right? Life and death, and the power of the tongue. Yep. Those who words, love it will eat its fruit. Eat its fruit. I've often said our words are like little vehicles; they carry emotion attached to them, right? So, if people even think about the most hurtful words of their past, it's not because the specific language, meaning the syllables of that word, <laughs> right. it's because that word was a. It was charged with something. Yeah, as a vehicle, as a spirit. That's why Jesus said, my words are life, right? The spirit and life. And the psalmist talked about the strife of tongues, right? It, uh, the tongues are like arrows. They're like firebrands. Correct. 
Correct. So that's speech test. Next in Pastor Chad is servant or submission test. So I'm going to give the definition of a servant test. This is when a person's asked to do menial tasks that seem below their high calling in God. Right? So no menial task is below any true servant of God, especially before their time of fully giving themselves to the prayer and word. Right? Meaning, Acts 6, 1 through 6, right? Instead of waiting on tables, they got to have deacons that are stepping up to the plate so they can give themselves fully. But God tests a leader before that moment to see if they're willing to do that menial task, right? Yes. And in so many ways, that is, it goes back to the motivation test in that it reveals if the ministry motivation is to be in the public eye and receive praise, but it also is used by God to kind of give an opportunity for leaders to experience what it feels like to do different jobs that they don't normally do, mm-hmm. right? So that they are, well, you know, we talked a lot about like lead pastors, for instance, who've never been the worst ones or those that's never been associate pastors, right? Correct. And served in a capacity. So my biblical illustration of this is First Kings 19. Elisha has to s- serve by following Elijah. And it's when those two generations walk together long before Elisha picks up his own mantle of leadership, right? Mm-hmm. It falls from the sky. He had to serve the man of God, right? He's right there with him, right? Elisha would have his own school of prophets, but before that comes, he's serving Elijah. He has Correct. to burn his cloak, kill his oxen. You know, he gets the cloak or mantle of leadership from Elijah. He, he burns everything of his past. That anointing touches to. him, that life. Right. So that's that's the servant yeah, test. And before he and before he could ask what he wished, he had to be willing to wash. Yeah. And he got a double portion. He did. But it was because he passed that test. And it that's a, a, a beautiful story of that test you know he kept he was getting close to fulfillment Mm -hmm. and elijah kept testing that dedication and and uh, in so many tests the time test he would say hey i'm gonna go here you stay and when he say nope no i'm coming with you i've committed till the day you go on and he got that double portion and um yeah the serving the serving test is a important one and that's the main text we read in the beginning first timothy 3 right. 10 that's the context let you first be tested serving before you can get the official designation mm-hmm. of a servant yeah. that's what deacon means right in the great yes. servant yes and that's where i would say to <laughs> young leaders and i know i told you we are listening to all kinds of different people sure different, but if you're a young leader this is what i always say in the servant test is that's why you cannot set your heart on a specific title in god's kingdom it needs to be all about what is your function. Because if you grow in love with a title, you'll do anything. Pastor Chad, you will switch churches. You'll go to, you will put out blind resumes to churches that you don't even have any contact with to be hired by them to get on a position. You'll get to that position and it won't fulfill you. Like, see that, yeah, that, that world. Yeah. And I know it exists. Oh, it's in a Christendom everywhere. It's, it's totally contrary to my experience and what we've done in, in following the Lord and trusted. Yeah. So. But it's everywhere. I know. And in my engagement and you with know, pastors. That's where I have other tests that you have yeah. to encourage me in and <laughs> yeah. things of, you know, when I start feeling heavy of the way things are in the body of Christ in the West, you know, there, you know, I need encouragement from you and, and others because it is very, very heavy at times when you see, the same type of experience, motivations, um, things in secular world leadership, and it's the same in the church. Yeah. It's just got a different label on it. Yeah. And if I don't know my function, which is what's ultimately going to fulfill me, yeah. and I just committed to a title, 
the title will never fulfill the promise, right? It will never bring any contentment. Now, we think it will. We're under that wrong assumption that somehow if I get that title. But a reality, it, it finally, once I've gone through enough tests, then it starts getting really clear. I don't even know if I got a title. Do I, do I even have a title around here now? So... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's very true, very very true. So that's a servant test. Next, in Pastor Chad, wilderness test. Yeah. So let me define it and then yeah. purpose. So in the wilderness test, God directly or it could be indirectly guides a leader or a future leader into a materially or spiritually dry and desolate place. No fruit comes from their life or ministry. A leader feels like they're in this test, and in those times, a leader wonders whether they really received a call of God. Because they, they appears that God has no direct involvement in the true kind of living work of God's kingdom. Um, sometimes a leader doesn't have anyone else to talk to but God himself in that moment. And you say, what's the purpose of that? To increase a leader's appreciation for the good things God's already put in your life. Number two, to teach the leader how to discern whether the Lord alone sustains spiritual life. Daily right? bread. Yep, draws ministry activity to sustain his relationship with God. Because, Pastor Chad, and I'm going to be careful with my words, if I, have, if I have been living in such a way that I draw from my ministry activity to sustain my relationship with God rather than draw from my relationship with God to do my ministry, when the going gets tough, I will ultimately leave God to do ministry. Yeah. Right? I will be more committed to the ministry. Married to ministry, right? Right. Than, than to the God of ministry. And, and another wilderness purpose is it strips that leader of the wisdom and ways of the but world. But see, that only happens in context where when people use ministry or think of ministry, there's constant excitement and a lot of activity going on. Yes. I mean, I, I feel like I could put some people in, in our context and just season of just faithful, drop the anchors. Yeah. You know, let's gather, let's grow, let's group, let's go. And, and, and that stuff would get like cut and burnt real quick. Oh, yeah. 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 And that is a wilderness test in some sense. When you go in the wilderness, it changes your appetite, right? I mean, just read the, I mean, you read the book of Deuteronomy. Gets Deuteronomy 8, yeah. right? Yeah. God tells them, here's why I led you in this wilderness, yeah. humble you. I'm going to strip the leader of the wisdom and ways of the world. I'm going to teach him the ways of the spirit. Same way with Jesus in the wilderness, right? To drive a leader to cultivate their life in prayer, life in the word. Uh, so it's it's being weaned from the seen yep. to draw and depend on the unseen. Correct. Right? Correct. Moses, Moses in the wilderness. When he sat down, yep. it says there was a well. Yeah. He could have kept running and striving, right, out of fear of Pharaoh chasing him because yep. he killed a man in Egypt. But once he sat down, that's yielding, that's a that's a rest, then a well was there. Yeah. And you will never learn experientially New Testament Christianity. Until in the wilderness, you get so weary of trying through your own running and human ability that you finally give up and you learn to rest so that you can get a revelation of the sufficiency of the well of salvation in Christ in you. Yep. Because, um, you know, in the wilderness, there ain't no natural water. No. It's to wean you to find an unseen source and tap Correct. of water, Christ within Correct. Um, there's no outward fruit. No, no. It's a Not daily from or from yourself. A daily manna. Yep. But they couldn't store it up. Yep. They couldn't give us this day our daily bread. We prefer Dependency. A, we prefer a golden corral Ryan steakhouse relationship with God 
if we're honest, we prefer a buffet relationship. I want to get some and then not come back to you, Lord, for 30 days, right? Yeah. But it's a daily bread. I remember once I was I was talking to the Lord about some financial stuff, and he said, fine, what if I give you what you're thinking you need? But then I tell you, I'm calling you to do that as well, and you'd have to believe me for this much more. Mm-hmm. Meaning even if we got what it is we need now, yeah. We don't know all that God wants to do to us in the future. Yeah. So then what if he calls us to trust him for a greater amount? Mm-hmm. The whole point is, is, is there's going to constantly be this weaning yeah. from the seen to depending upon the unseen hand and provision of God daily. That's right. That's right. So that's wilderness test. Next one, we're, we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up here, but last few here, misunderstanding test. Pastor Chad, this one we've seen a lot. This one I hate the way I'm wired and called. I mean, this one is one that hits me like a bazooka. Yeah. And let me define it for us. The test of misunderstanding occurs when those hearing a leader, hearing that leader, do not receive or reject the correct meaning that 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 leader's trying to communicate. And so people may misinterpret or mistake the true significance of your actions or your words or your attitudes. And that's frustrating. Man, it's like my life. I mean, I have to repeat myself in my home to all four people. I mean, I understand at times when I'm, you know, getting a little lazy or tired, I let that southern draw come out. But Lord have mercy. Yeah. I shouldn't have to repeat myself every time. I'm like, do you understand the words coming out out of my mouth? mouth? So what is the purpose of the misunderstanding test? Well, I'd put in my notes to cause a leader to look for newer, better ways of bringing across words or his or her feelings another one i put is to cause a leader to examine their basic attitudes or motivations and communication sometimes many or many times people will misunderstand what a person's trying to say just because the communicator has an attitude that's too hard or harsh or angry or wrong tone or whatever the case and i often thought well who is the pattern biblical pattern of misunderstanding well jesus serves as our pattern of one who was misunderstood that's so, what hebrews 12 certainly says. So what, what do you think about misunderstanding? Any others there before we go to the next one? Yeah, it's the definite uh, reality that, you know, we need to always be willing to grow in wisdom, right? There are um, ways of wisdom that a harsh word stirs up strife, yep. right? And there are words that are more pleasant like a honeycomb. Um, but there's also the fact that Jesus was perfect. He said every word in the rightness of the Spirit, in the wisdom of God, and yet he was surrounded by misunderstanding. And so that's where I'm reminded of what Paul says, that, you know, we serve a faithful God, and to whatever we're willing to commit to him, he's he's able and faithful to keep it, meaning if we're willing to commit our name and reputation to him, and God knows the intent of what we were seeking to communicate and trust him in that, then, then he's able and he's big enough to not allow any misunderstandings ultimately yeah. to hold us back to all that he has for us. Yeah. But that does keep you, in a sense, broken. It, it, it just reminds you of how much we need God yeah. in order to accomplish what he's called us to do. And it reminds you, you mentioned gratefulness, but it makes you grateful of when there is that time where God does give that, witness or that brother and sister that just gets you yeah and you affinity yes and it's like same language Mm -hmm. same speech you know paul talked about timothy he said did he not walk in the same steps 
yeah. as me. Yeah. And that's why Paul always valued Timothy so much because he had all kinds of people on his ministry team, but not everybody at all times mm-hmm. got the way that Paul was or whatnot. So definitely a gift of grace to have that relationship. Yeah. So it just makes you grateful for those moments when things are aligning and things are going smooth and easy. Right. So next what test, else we got? Next one I had is patience or frustration test. They're kind of one and the same. Yeah. So the patience test is when a leader's expectations and God are not fulfilled on schedule. Patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22. The word patience comes from the Latin word, which literally means to suffer. So in the patience test, God challenges a leader. And cheerfully. That's yeah. the hard part. That's, that's what when I was getting you, to. Yeah, once you studied out in Greek, we're in real trouble because yeah. it's, it's suffering cheerfully. So Cheerful endurance. God challenges a leader to wait patiently, endure tribulation, and do it without complaint. Boy, right? that... and whew. Do it without complaint. Without losing self-control, <laughs> without becoming a disturbance to others. I used to love that old story. The old when I came to the spirit filled side of things, they tell a story of a of the young boy who got in trouble and he said, I might be sitting down on the outside, but I'm standing, standing up, up on, a, the, on inside. the inside. Well, that isn't this, right? No, yeah. So <laughs> in portraying this quality, Pastor Chad, it's hard, but let's say it, a leader calmly tolerates delay while refusing to be provoked by it. Say it again. Yeah, so a leader will calmly tolerate delay while at the same time refusing to be provoked by it. So I'm just going to calmly like accept accept. Yeah, tolerate, accept it, right. right? And what is the purpose of this? To pass the test of yielding your own rights to Jesus Christ and wait for things to work out in His timing, right? To learn how to release expectations that we put on others in order for our vision to be fulfilled. You think of you think of uh, Genesis five six seven Noah and the preparations for the flood, um, and and the second part of that patience test. Pastor that, that's Chad, that was that's a hard call. If anybody's got that Noah call, yeah. I mean, think about building that long, one hundred twenty years, and it's never even rained. Yeah, I mean, you you talk about thinking lunacy. Yeah, around you. You're right. So that for that that is the the two sides of the same coin. I guess the frustration test is when. A leader feels that life and ministry goals can't be achieved. So people or circumstances prevent you from gratifying the conscious or unconscious like desires Like becoming and goals. vulnerable, that's got to be an either or? Yep. Is that what you're saying? Yep. And so I, or or like what, what I've been in even just recently is this, in this frustration test, you especially find, you especially feel the frustration test when you find no logical or reason, rational reason why your efforts are being delayed or being baffled or being foiled or being confused right and what does that frustration do what well, causes you to re-examine your spiritual priorities it really does you look you start looking and thinking am i giving myself to the right thing um number two it causes you to put more fervor into your primary spiritual battle against opposition right um and and goodness gracious second corinthians 11 it all the way through chapter 12 is the many <laughs> challenges the Apostle Paul yeah. faced in ministry. Frustration abounding, right? Yeah. So any thoughts you have there? Yeah, it's just, uh, it helps build what we call that, the spiritual balance that's only achieved through the dependency on the Holy Spirit. You know, it's like, okay, obviously I can't make it happen. I, I'm not, God's not led me kick down the door. Yep. But at the same time, I'm not going to give in 
and not think that you, God, don't want to do this yeah. in the lives of people, yep. right, or in the lives of this community. or yep. uh, And so it is that wrestling. Yep. And and so to me, the frustration test, I always like to think of it, too. It's like this, it's this tension. Yes. It's this tension. Yep. Um, and it's hard and it's because— it's not going to be alleviated. Yeah, we like things resolved, especially if you're a, a starter, yeah. creator, like I'm wired. But— um, God early on had many frustration tests for us because for longevity of eldership or pastoral thing, there are some things that will never be resolved in a community Yeah, because the more and more new people come in, they're going to be dealing with the same struggles and, and things. And so those elements within community are never going to be gone. Correct. There's always going to be struggling marriages. Correct. There's always going to be wayward children. Yep. And so that is a, how do I, in the Lord, in my call, manage in a healthy, spirit-dependent, word-centered way, Christ-centric yeah. frustration. Yeah. And so let me say this to those who are watching, because this is what I feel inspired say to it. say. If you are a leader and you feel so crippled by constant frustration in what God's called you to do, okay, best piece of advice I can give to you, seems so simple, you got to learn to steward the frustration well, meaning you're never going to get rid of it. So if you don't learn how to daily serve while stewarding frustration well, the frustration will constantly cripple you. you got to learn wisdom so because a fool vents all the feelings, yep. but wisdom begins to direct us how to steward it, right? Correct. And, uh, you know, I never was a hunter, <laughs> but I am now, brother. There's some frustration with And with I tell that. you, some people, they might be angry with me, but we can only hunt now in this age. So, yep. uh, But I tell you what, putting down a big buck, Sure alleviates a lot of frustrations, it doesn't does. it, brother? It does. It oh, does. I buried some things out there in the wilderness, bro. <laughs> that the enemy's trying to keep in my heart. I get it. I get it. Well, let's 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 go to the last one. We have well, this is not an exhaustive list. No, not by any means. Let's talk about the discouragement test. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we'll, we'll define it and what's the purpose. So when when a leader allows circumstances or people to dishearten him or her and deprive him of courage or her of courage in the Lord, a discouraged leader is deterred from undertaking what he or she believes is God's will. And during those times, a leader, a leader may lose confidence or hope in God, confidence or hope in his provisions. And what is the purpose of the discouragement test is to drive the leader to God in prayer. And I would say often using the Psalms. That's exactly what I was thinking when you you're know. saying that. That's that's what we see beautifully through David. Yep. And you know, so to teach teach the leader that joy comes from being rooted in the Lord, not through happy circumstances. Think of how many times and and all that when he's running from Saul and Saul's army, he's having to go back. But Lord, the prophet anointed me. You called me. I I was out there in the sheepfold leading, and 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 they brought me to the house. And the prophet, you know, what I mean, I didn't do that. I didn't anoint myself. You're right. You're right. And, th and that's David. Think of Elijah, First Kings nineteen. After victory at Mount Carmel, he runs about. I don't know, 25 miles, learning that King Queen Jezebel is planning to kill him. And this is the key. This ties in. Yeah. Go ahead. Go finish. ahead. No, you're good. I'm just saying this is one of the ways witchcraft works. So in Galatians 3, when Paul says to the Galatians, who has bewitched you, he, he says they've cast a spell and, and it's hindered their vision that they used to be able to, to see Christ being crucified portrayed plainly before yeah. them. 
and now it's hindering their obedience. And so one of the things that Jezebel did is through her words, she tried to capture the imagination of the prophet. And he began to then see the images that the words were producing. What's the point? Is that it got him off focus from what God had anointed and called him to do, which then brought discouragement. And so this test is is that there's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be deserters, unfortunately, right? Shipwrecked people. There's always going to be brothers and sisters and things that you can look at that discourages you. But the focus test is, is I can't do something about everything, but I can be faithful to what God's called me to do. And I tell you, if I will stay focused on what God's called me to do, a laser can blast through a mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Water focus can blast through a mountain. And um, there is so much needs in the world, but I am not God and I'm not big enough to be an answer to all of it. So oftentimes the reason I feel discouraged or so heavy is I'm trying to focus on task or specific uh, ways the body of Christ is to minister, but it's not my specific yeah. lane for this season. And in so many ways, so many people can be discouraged in our world because the human psyche is not made to be aware of as much disaster as we're aware of. The access of news and social media, yeah. Our, yeah, our brain cannot do it. Yeah. And without a doubt, that's increasing depression. No doubt. In the experience. Well, let's wrap up this episode. And the way we do so, what are your, what have you learned holistically in serving other leaders? I'll speak to this too, but as, as people go through these tests, what can you encourage them? What have you learned? Maybe even your own successes and mistakes as a leader. Like how has God used that to burden you for helping people make it through these tests? Yeah, for me, the one encouraging thing that, that, it's helped me, and yep. then I try to use it to help others, is I, I'm listening what you're saying. Yep. I understand you're confused, you're discouraged, you're struggling. However, are you continuing to seek Him in the secret place? Meaning, in the midst of confusion and not knowing north, south, east, and west and all of that, if you will still keep those anchors mm-hmm. of the spiritual disciplines, yep. it gives me a confidence that no matter how weary or weak or discouraged you feel, God will use that, yeah. even when you don't think anything's happening, yeah. to bring you through. Yeah. To bring you through. Yeah. Even if you got to take the test again. Right. But that is going to bring you through and keep you from absolutely shipwreck or destroying uh, the process, yeah. the, the entire process God has. So seeking first the spiritual disciplines, in the end, he'll make it clear. Um, also I, when I'm listening to someone this moment, mm-hmm. I understand because we, we're all in seasons of tests, so you know, the weightiness of it. I try to listen and use any words that they have communicated to me before as a spiritual leader in their life or whatever friend in their life of where they said, God has shown them or spoken something to them before. I try to put that back before them mm-hmm. and and remind them, especially if the test they're going in through is getting them so disoriented that they're starting to say things or think things about their future ministry that's going contrary to than what God, what they've told me God said before yeah. to them. Yeah, 
that's sort of like the focus. I yeah. try to get them focused. And I'm and I'm not trying to root them in words of just my enthusiasm or encouragement. I'm trying to root them back into internal witnesses of God's spirit, yeah. that, of things God's planted in them before, so that they're not making a drastic transition or decision in a moment of lack of clarity when they're tested. Yeah. And then I, you know, uh, I try to then, if they've been through growth phases, remind them of things, hey, is there anything you've learned before in growth phases that might be speaking to what you're going through? You know, it's one thing when things are calm and we're in a good season and we're receiving teaching uh, to hear that. It's another thing to be able to remember and rehearse it in the moment that we actually need to apply it. Yeah. So that's a couple things, you know, uh, a failure of mine would be is man, never when it comes to some heavy tests, never put yourself in a place where you don't have anybody to be able to open up to, to share with, that you trust yeah. to be used by God to bring light to, to you. Confusion. Yes, that don't think that and you so many young leaders are do alone. feel isolated. They do. Yeah. They do. And, and that's it, unfortunate because it's very unfortunate. They're, they're in systems in which the systems are responsible for raising sons and daughters, and systems can't do that. Denominational systems can't do that. Only dads and moms can do. That's Fathers right. and mothers are loan things that are able to raise sons and daughters. Systems can't do it. And when you get into a system that is responsible to raise a true spiritual son and daughter, then you can't treat anyone in your life like they would be a father to help you because they're a part of the system. Right. And so then you get back to this discouragement. I'm Elijah. I'm the only one here. There's That's no other right. 800 you know, prophets of Baal that have not bowed their knees. So... Um, well, obviously, you know, the, the challenge, I think, Pastor Chad, that I would give to people as we kind of close is some of these tests of ministry that we shared today. They're, they're no doubt major tests during the early stages of a leader's ministry, but I don't want us to dismiss them and think that they're not in other pre, you know, subsequent stages. Yeah. And sometimes the later in our calling, the hotter, the refiner's fire gets hotter and hotter, Right. And God uses these tests to refine our faith. But here's what I wanted to do. I thought this would be fun. And, and one of the things you're, you're saying, and yeah. why is that when I was single oh, yeah. and going through tests. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's heavy. Yeah. But I don't have the heaviness of, of having to love and serve my wife and provide for my kids and, and ministry and jobs, and, you see? Yeah. So that's why what you're saying, meaning the sooner you can follow Jesus and embrace these tests. If you're a young leader, you're getting the wind of God's spirit and help behind you, even if you don't realize it, for the future when it's a multifaceted dynamic of life. Yes, yes. And so I thought this would be good, Pastor Chad. I don't, I don't know a way to do this for those that are listening by audio podcast. There's okay. no way to adequately do it. But if you're watching today on YouTube, this is what I want you to do. Okay, at least accept it, or 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 at least. Give the opportunity to say, okay, I might be a part. I was thinking this week, God's imagination is limitless. So if his imagination is limitless, then so are his ways of bringing his children into maturity. So I thought what would be encouraging is if you would finish out this episode or while you're watching, go in the comment on YouTube and I want you to type in one of these tests mm. that you're currently going through. I like it. Yeah. All right. And when you type in that test, give us, you don't have to give us a dissertation, but just right there in the comment box, give us five, six, eight sentences of what you're learning right now so that when the next person goes to this podcast. Minister one to another. Yeah. I love it. 
Yeah, they're able to read and they're saying, well, this is how I went through this test. And who knows? Maybe we get 100 of you responding. Maybe 50 of you respond. But man, I think you, I know I'll be encouraged. It's important because how often the first thing, like when we're going through th- some, we don't necessarily think, well, is this a test? Right. What do I need to be learning? Right. It's somebody get me out of here, Correct. out of this. Correct. Absolutely. So I, I love just, it. I thought that would be good. If on the audio podcast, you're listening to it right now, find a time when you get home tonight or later, whatever, today, hop on the YouTube channel. If you're listening by audio uh, platform, hop on the YouTube channel. You don't have to watch it again, right? You've already listened to it, but just go in there in the comment box, mm-hmm. consider doing that and type it a test. Maybe it's a test we didn't hit today. It's a different test that yeah. you would name. And the awesome. father's, he's he's actually not wanting us to fail tests. No. He's given tests that through him, he wants us to pass and learn, right? Correct. Absolutely. Well, that's good news then. Very good news. Very good news. Because I had some teachers, it didn't seem like they, they, they cared. They spitefully made tests. Well, they didn't care to seem the time whether I passed or not, but our father's not like that. Yep. Yep. And, and, and it, nothing will bring our hearts greater joy. And I say this with sincerity. For any of you who are leaders that are joining this conversation, for you to succeed in the test that God's called Absolutely. you to. Absolutely. And we We're want to in rejoice. this together with them, man. Yeah, I will. Every person on YouTube that t- types, I will respond. I will. I'll find time and I'll respond and celebrate. And I, I want to read the, the test that you're experiencing. And I know that others want to read those tests. As and well, I like so. parties. So when we pass tests, man, I'll party with the Father. Yeah, the prodigal son, God fixes problems with parties. Like, who does that? When my kids make bad grades, I don't be like, you know what? Let's have a pizza party and ice cream. But that's what the father did to the prodigal son. He he fixes problems. You're going to learn. You're learning. (laughs) So, all right. Well, listen, man, that's a wrap on episode eight. And and a wrap on season one. Season one, man. What a fun journey. Yeah. So, man, we look forward to season two. A lot of exciting things. Highlight moments that we're going to talk about and continue on in our journey Love one it. with another. So thanks, thanks for again. being with us. Make sure you subscribe. If a, one episode has meant more to you than another, take that episode and send it to a friend. Help us continue to get the word out, folks. Let's yep. get our subscribers up. Let's con- let's hit subscribe. A lot of content. Serve people. Yep, absolutely. And we thank God that you're a part of the conversation with us. We'll see you next time, season two.